Welcome to $100 Plus Mileage. This is the podcast about those New Hampshire bills that might not make the news, but could still impact whether you get time off to vote, whether you can live in a house on wheels, or whether mad scientists can try to change the weather. Those represent just a few of the hundreds of bills that New Hampshire legislators voted on last year. This year, legislators have requested bills covering everything from magic mushrooms to raw milk ice cream. We're here to highlight some of these bills, unpack the pros and cons, and tell you how you can make your voice heard. I'm Mike Dunbar, content editor for Citizens Count. And I'm Anna Brown, director of research and analysis for Citizens Count. Mike, our topic today has been trending on Twitter, so it's not exactly lesser known, but it's still off the beaten path for sure. We're talking about secession, not the TV show Secession, which there was some confusion about that on Twitter, and I had some spelling mistakes, but seceding from the United States of America. Right, right. There's been a group of libertarians, free staters, and other liberty-minded people in New Hampshire advocating for the secession for years, but this is the first time I've seen it proposed in an actual formal bill in the state legislature. If 2020 and 21 taught us anything, it's to expect the unexpected. <laughs> and to be clear, Democrats and Republican leaders have condemned the idea of secession in New Hampshire. But I haven't really heard anyone dig into what the consequences might be. And since we have a formal legislative debate this year, I think it's time to talk about, like, what are the mechanics of this unlikely proposal to form the nation of New Hampshire? Okay, well, first of all, didn't all this get sorted out with the whole Civil War thing, like, over 150 years ago. So fun fact, the U.S. Supreme Court did actually rule that it was illegal for states to secede from the Union. And this happened after the Civil War. They were like, nope, we definitely agreed that was not allowed. So there's no official approved process if a state decides, hey, let's form our own nation. Well, that hasn't discouraged seven Republican New Hampshire legislators from sponsoring a constitutional amendment that states the following. New Hampshire peaceably declares independence from the United States and immediately proceeds as a sovereign nation. All other references to the United States in this constitution, state statutes, and regulations are nullified, end quote. Okay, so dedicated listeners may recall we did an episode last year about the process to amend the Constitution in New Hampshire. You can check that out if you want a deep dive, but here's a quick refresh. A proposed state constitutional amendment has to pass the House and the Senate by three-fifths, so that's 60% of the vote. And then after that, it goes straight to the voters of New Hampshire, and two-thirds, 67%, have to vote for an amendment to join the Constitution. So given this high threshold for approval, the constitutional amendment to secede probably has no chance of succeeding in the legislature or among voters. But having a public debate about an issue is often a good way to raise awareness and build support. So it's still significant that this is a legislative proposal. Right, right. Okay, well, let's say that there's suddenly massive support for this constitutional amendment and New Hampshire declares it's done with the United States and wants to form its own nation. Civil War history suggests that the feds would come marching in and take over the rebels, right? Okay, so... Maybe, but many modern supporters of secession don't think the feds would have the will 
to send the military against a state. And instead, they envisioned something kind of like Brexit when Britain exited the European Union, some sort of peaceable economic separation. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, I'm not an expert in European economics, but I've seen a lot of headlines that suggest Brexit isn't going super smoothly, lots of problems with finding workers and getting goods across the borders, things like that. Yeah, so that's the thing. New Hampshire would now have sovereign borders. And even if the feds decided not to invade New Hampshire, Uh, Would we have a border control? Would New Hampshire residents lose social security? Would New Hampshire need to form a Department of Defense? And how would hospitals adjust to a loss of Medicaid payments? And obviously, none of these questions are answered by a two-sentence constitutional amendment. So there'd probably have to be an entire constitutional convention to shape the new nation, new government. Right. Well, obviously, secession supporters see a benefit to all this. Most of the supporters generally object to what they perceive as overreach by the federal government. They point to recent COVID-19 policies, such as the moratorium on evictions and a vaccine mandate, and argue the federal government has betrayed the intentions of the founding fathers to limit federal powers. Prior to the COVID-19 pandemic, secession supporters objected to policies including deferred action for childhood arrivals, DACA, the Paris Climate Agreement, the Patriot Act, and so on. Many of these policies highlighted by the secession supporters have worked their way through the courts or have pending court cases to test whether they violate the U.S. Constitution. Yeah, and that's especially true, obviously, with the vaccine mandates that we've heard. Mm -hmm. Several court cases that are ongoing while we're recording this podcast in January 2022. So supporters also argue that there's a much simpler reason to secede, which is dollars, tax dollars in particular. So in 2020, New Hampshire contributed a little over $12 billion in taxes to the federal government. So that includes business and income taxes, payroll taxes, estate taxes, gift taxes, and excise taxes. And Granite Staters wouldn't have to pay those federal taxes anymore. Right. But of course, New Hampshire would also lose out on federal funding if it chose to secede. So about one third of the New Hampshire state budget is made up of federal funds, contributing to everything from healthcare to highways. The recent coronavirus spending packages injected even more federal funds into the state for expanded broadband, rental assistance, water infrastructure, and much more. Federal contracts and grants also go to cities, towns, colleges, and private businesses. So, you know, there's definitely two sides to the coin on this. So I did a little research because I was like, all right, let's let's try to really parse this out, the $12 billion that we send in versus what we get back. And you have to look at all these different ways that federal money flows in. Fortunately, there are people who have looked into this with a lot more math than I was willing to marshal. And so a 2020 report from the Rockefeller Institute of Government found that on balance, the federal government spends 1,363 more per person in New Hampshire than it receives in taxes. And that report considered direct payments to individuals, such as your social security check or Medicare grants, such as Medicaid, which can go to hospitals or the highway grants we've mentioned. There's also government contracts, federal contracts, as well as pay to federal workers in New Hampshire, because of course there's, you know, federal courts and, and whatever, and, and some of those people are in New Hampshire. So if you parse that all out, they, they said most recently, New Hampshire is getting about $1,300 per person in benefit. But then I went back to 2020, and it was a much smaller benefit. It was only 310 per person that New Hampshire was gaining versus spending. And then if you went back to the 2019 report, New Hampshire was actually losing 234 per person to the federal government. So I don't know. Pick which year of the report you want to look at. And, and I think the ultimate answer is that it's 
really complex to break down exactly what would happen with our tax tax dollars. That is so funny to me and so interesting because I just never even would have thought, like even people who are, you know, against federal taxes going up and things like that. It's like actually doing the math to see, all right, am I winning or losing long-term here? And I would encourage anyone who's curious about this to also to compare which states get more from the federal government and which states pay more to the federal government, which tangent, I mean, there are other states that have talked about secession occasionally. And there's like people in California, for example, evidently pay in consistently way more than they're getting back. And that's one reason why there's this Cal exit movement of people in California who are like, you know what, forget the federal government. We're just, we're just funding them for no reason. So, (laughs) well, we mentioned earlier how in the past, most people have laughed off the idea of secession, but I think it's fair to say that politicians aren't laughing anymore. There are actually a group of legislators sponsoring a sort of counter secession bill as well. It's HB 1007. That bill would make a person ineligible for office if they advocate for secession or otherwise engage in insurrection or rebellion against the United States. So to be fair, this bill, I think, is probably also a long shot based on history. The New Hampshire legislature has proven very reluctant to expel or discipline its members because we have elections every two years. And so when I hear floor debates, the argument is often, well, we're practically at another election already. Let the voters decide. Also, the vast majority of legislators who support secession are Republicans, and it seems unlikely the narrow Republican majority in the House would vote to expel any of its members. Right. Still, it's fair to say that there is a growing pushback against secession from officials who argue we need to protect the democratic process laid out in the Constitution. If we disagree on a policy, the route to challenge it is in the courts, and the route to change it is the legislature. All right. Speaking of changing in the legislature, Mike, if our listeners have an opinion on secession, What should they do? Well, the secession amendment we've been talking about today is CACR 32, and it will go through the regular bill process with a public hearing, a committee vote, and a vote from the full House. Right now, CACR 32 has a public hearing scheduled for January 20th, that's uh, Thursday, and that's at 3.30 p.m. at the Legislative Office Building in Concord. That's right behind the State House. Um, the House is not accepting remote testimony at public hearings this year, but you can sign in as either supporting or opposing the bill from home. That basically gives the committee a tally of people for or against the bill. Yes. And of course, you can still show up in person to testify, but I know that can be hard when it's in the middle of a day and everything else going on. So if you do want to just do that sort of digital sign in for or against CACA 32, I'll give you a little little summary. Go to the legislature's homepage. So that's Gencourt, G-E-N-C-O-U-R-T dot state dot New Hampshire dot U-S. If you scroll down to the bottom of that page and click House Remote Sign-In, that's where you're going to see the option to register your opinion on all of these bills. So you go to a new page, you select January 20th on the calendar, that's the date of the in-person hearing, then select the House State Federal Relations and Veterans Affairs Committee, that's the one that is hearing this bill, and then you'll select CACR 32 from that bill dropdown for choosing your bill. So after that, it's pretty self-explanatory. You enter, if you're for or against, your name and your location, and then you can have this official public record of registering your opinion. All right, Anna, on that note, it's time for our closing segment, Only in New Hampshire. What delightfully odd New Hampshire lore do you have for us this week? Since we are talking about secession, I would like to bring up the town of Killington, Vermont, which has recently voted twice, well, relatively recently, 2005 and 2006, 
the townspeople voted to leave Vermont and join New Hampshire. Obviously, it didn't work because we do not have this town sort of carved from the middle of Vermont that is also part of the Granite State. But it it went forward. So the process would have been they would have had to get approval from both state legislatures and Congress. So they sent a delegation to Governor Craig Benson and gave him a framed copy of their resolution to secede. The legislature also set up a commission to negotiate with Vermont over what would happen with Killington. But Vermont never set up a corresponding commission. So the issue died. The funny part here to me is Killington was voting to secede because they were very mad about new property tax rates, which was based on Vermont changing how it was funding their public schools. Mm. And honestly, I'm not sure New Hampshire is the best choice for a new state if you hate property taxes because we have- That's called jumping from the uh, the frying pan to the fire. And I (laughs) I even saw a couple interesting analysis where people were debating. They were like, uh, it's possible their property taxes would go up. So yeah. I, yeah, I don't know about that. I know my property taxes went up this year, mostly because my, my, my condo assessment went through the roof, like even more than houses, I think because there's a condo shortage in New Hampshire. Do you like how I continue to, to bring up how sad I am about how I'm about stuck in your, this condo? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, Killington, isn't, isn't that where like, isn't there like a Mount Killington, like a skiing? Isn't there a big skiing oh, town? Oh, it's, it's a beautiful resort community from yeah. what I was reading online. I've never been to beautiful Killington. And so that's partly why they got slammed with the state property tax rate because earlier they, they had high property values. They were able to fund their local schools. And then the state set a more universal rate statewide and, and their property taxes did go through the roof, sadly, mm. for the citizens of Killington. Yes. So. Well, we'll uh, we'll never know what it would have been like to have uh, Killington in New Hampshire, it sounds like, but that's okay. Well, that wraps up our episode for today. You can find more information and episodes at citizenscount.org. We'd like to thank the Franklin Pierce University for producing and the Grand State News Collaborative for hosting. Our theme music is composed by me, Mike Dunbar, and lastly, we thank you for giving us a listen and thinking about how you can be part of what makes New Hampshire by the people for the people. 